holiness, I think that honestly we just don't come to the understanding of what holiness really is. Therefore, we don't participate in it. Right? If we truly understood, I believe this, if, if the culture and, and the Christian culture specifically would be introduced to the truths of God's word, we know that they're life-changing. We know that they're game-changers. So we're just trying to introduce these at their core level. Uh, so obviously going from creation to Satan and the fall of man to salvation, where does that leave us? On a core level, a core value, it leaves us with holiness. If you have been saved, if you have been redeemed, remember the idea of the deposit made here, right? God made a deposit on us. And so that deposit, that Holy Spirit that he gave us is an active agent. I know that's kind of a a foreign concept, but the Bible says that it's expedient or it's better, Jesus said, for him to go away. Jesus is sitting, our brother in salvation, is sitting on the right hand of God, making intercession for us, and the part of the Godhead that is acting in our lives is the Holy Spirit, holiness. Do you understand the connection? The holiness of God that is resting in our hearts, sealing us under the day of redemption, is helping us, should be helping us, live in such a way that is Christ and the Father honoring. So in that Trinitarian view, we can't miss holiness. So, and I I think this is where we water it down. This is where we take the topic and we say, okay, uh, um, I'm saved by, by God's grace and it doesn't matter how I live. I've trusted in Jesus for heaven, and until heaven, I'm going to live like hell, right? Some Christians have that perspective. Some Christians say, it doesn't matter how I live, because Jesus lived that way for me. There's truth to that in one sense, in your freedom in Christ. What better topic to talk about your freedom than on the 4th of July weekend, right? Where we're all focused on our freedom. But that freedom we know isn't what? Free. So there's a concept, an underlying tone in the New Testament that we cannot miss. But you see, in order to really gather it and garner the truth the way we should and apply it to our lives, I think it's important for us to go back to the beginning. So I found this video. It's an incredible resource, The Bible Project. When it gets to the end, the the very end, there's like maybe uh, 30 seconds or maybe even longer that's really not applicable. Uh, You'll see when it just naturally ends, and they're just kind of going into a promo for other videos. Um, But watch this video. It's going to take what it would, it would probably take me the entire hour to explain to you uh, really holiness from the beginning to catch up to speed. But I want you to watch this video and um, really just kind of take it in and know that you can go back and watch it. We'll put it on the, on the Facebook group with the link. Um, but check this video out on the topic of holiness. Hopefully it works. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. 
So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the Most Holy Place, this the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. <laughs> totally. So it flies over with a hot coal, and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable. Because normally, if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea, where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah, and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development, this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple, and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream, and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? So we don't know. 
until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a a woman with chronic bleeding, or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus, but instead Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now, but... Where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. And this time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. We believe the Bible is one complete narrative, so we're making these videos to trace a theme that goes... And you should visit that website, and you should check them out. It's really good. Before I even enter into a a book of the Bible to read and begin reading, I watch their video on it. I watch their take on it, because it's it's like 10 minutes, uh, and it gives you a really strong introduction. How many like that, of holiness? That's pretty good, wasn't it? Um, So that's the picture I want you to see. Um, We're in a different, here's the word I will use, dispensation. Uh, and a lot of people, maybe whether you agree or disagree with dispensational truth, it just means truth. <laughs> it just means um, we're in a different time period and that the Bible approaches different time periods uh, in different ways. Okay, And that's dispensational truth. So you see that in this video, how in the Old Testament, God was showing himself holy by his holiness, killing priests who were not ritually pure. Does that make sense? Um, so that's God showing, hey, this is no joke. Moses burning bush, this is no joke. But it didn't stop there. The Bible is the story of redemption. And that's what the minor prophets and even the major prophets were a story of. These unique, interesting, crazy stories that show a transition into someone coming to us to bring holiness not as, uh, not as the level of judgment, but as a level of almost like a medicine to, to purify us, to bring holiness to us. Uh, so that transition that was made uh, was done through Jesus Christ. I'm put this down. I'm a little dry today. Um, so understanding that is so key. That's why salvation coming to us, uh, last week's message, is really the prelude for the talk on holiness. And if you put that out of order, it's almost like you're, you're approaching the topic uh, from a perspective that is almost damning to someone who doesn't understand it. And that's uh, been my experience for a long time in church, right? We'll, we'll be heavy on holiness, from a ritualistic perspective, right? Instead of an empirical, overarching perspective where Jesus, God's holiness, came to us and purifies us. From one perspective, it is death. From the other perspective, it is life. Did you see that in the video? 
Old Testament would be what? Death. New Testament would be what? Life. Now, and here's something that I think is important to, to even catch. Within the culture, we are seeing uh, kind of a uh, revival in, in the, here's what I would say, the curiosity Because we are living in an age of pluralism, what does that mean? It means many gods, many ways. There's a revival of weird things that happen within religions. Look on Netflix. Look on Netflix original series, right? And what are they doing? They're bringing to us stories about cults that are crazy. Uh, And I don't recommend watching some of them. I mean, they're pretty, definitely not with your children because they're pretty graphic in that sense. Um, I follow, I think it's Joe Rogan's podcast because of another friend of mine and, you know, the links through social media, but he was kind of promoting this, not promoting it in a sense like, hey, I'm on board with this, but hey, this is crazy. Uh, and, and it's just, we all know those stories of the occult and people that, that go to these desolate towns and set up shop, right? And their followers come and flock and, and then they conform to those beliefs, a rigid set of beliefs, basically that elevate the one who is the leader to do whatever he wants to do. So really, if you can identify in modern religions, in modern cults, and even in the ones in times past, and other forms of religion, religion, I use that word, I think religion sends people to hell, right? Good works sends people to hell. Wow, that's a strong statement. Absolutely, it is a strong statement, but it's a statement I firmly believe in. Why? Because you can identify what is true and what is false by their view of holiness. The view of holiness from a New Testament Christ-honoring perspective is that Jesus came to me and made me holy. Jesus came to me something that was impure and made me pure. Jesus gave to me something that I could not earn. That is salvation. I was salvaged. I was an old, beat-up pickup truck, and now I'm a 57 Chevy that's been completely restored as far as God sees me. Do you understand? Now, any other perspective of salvation from a religious standpoint where they are trying to say, you work your way to get to holiness is ritually pure, is according to the Bible, the old way of doing things, not the new way, not the transformative way. And so if you identify, man, I'm in a church, or man, my my family member or my this or my that are involved in a church or in a cult, You can identify that by saying, what direction is holiness to them? If they are constantly working towards holiness instead of holiness working through them, then chances are they are the wrong type of church. Chances are they are possibly in a cult. They are possibly in a standpoint where they have elevated holiness in a perspective that is not Christ-honoring. Does that make sense? According to the view on what the Bible teaches about holiness. Now, the pendulum swinging too far the other direction is, and Paul says it, God forbid, is this. Well, I don't want to be confused as one of them. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you live. Right? And, and that's the improper balance on the other side. I don't want to be confused as that cult, so I'm just not going to preach righteousness at all. Because I don't want to come across as being uh, you know, legalistic legalistic, imposing laws, 
ritualistic holiness, uh, a setting of purity that makes you something in front of God. That does not exist anymore. Why does that not exist? Because God came through Jesus to fulfill that. Here's what he did not do. He did not abolish it. He did not get away. He did not do away with it. He didn't do away with the system of the law. He didn't do away with the Old Testament. He just fulfilled it. So it would be, it would be completely foolish for me to seek out a temple, for me to seek out a ritual and, and set up shop there with my Ark of the Covenant and call God into the Holy of Holies, Rick. It doesn't make sense because the Holy of Holies, the temple is now who? It's me. There's a temple in my heart, and I want to show you that today. And I want to show you how that should breed into holiness. That should turn into holiness. Because in the temple, it was evident immediately. The priests wore bells around their garments. Not only did they have pomegranates, I'd be like, (laughs) don't put me in one of those old priest garments. My priest garment in 2000, I think that would be a great thing to do. Let's make a 2018 priest garment. I'm going to have fruit roll-ups all over my robe. I love fruit snacks. Come on. Uh, I'd be drinking that that uh, vitamin water, the, the pomegranate flavor. The thing was so good. I'd be like, here, guys, put this in the cleansing spot. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's that's that would be me in 2018 making my priestly duties. Um, you should I, I should wear that. What do you think? What do you think, Patrick? I'm, I'm getting ripped. So anyway, <laughs> but, but that point is, is it would be futile for me to dress up that way because that way was a picture that way was a ritual to show how important holiness and and this is where we put israel in its proper perspective again where we understand that that was a nation in a certain dispensation, in a certain period of time, that God dealt with specifically about specific ritualistic laws to show the world how holy He is. To bring about Jesus through Israel. Why did He do that? Why were there so strict in in those laws? Because if those laws were not put into place then it would not have been a pure virgin situation for Jesus to come in as the second Adam being perfect. You you see, there are certain foods that carry diseases. There are certain foods that through the, the time pass and the dispensations of old that would kill whole generations of people. And, and when certain sexual practices were in play in, in certain villages, there would be cesspools of venereal diseases and all kinds of things that would wipe out whole villages. So God created a people group. And he said, I am holy. And he said, I'm going to come. And and Abraham, you're going to be the father of this nation. And I'm going to set up some strict dietary, some strict morally laws. Why? Because Jesus needs to come in a few thousand years. And he's going to come from a pure lineage, from a pure line. And that is why I'm going to surround you with all of these crazy things. And for people to look at that today in 2018 and say, I'm going to live that way. I'm going to abide by the moral law. It really doesn't make sense. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, why are you trying to do something that already served its purpose? Why are you overly obsessed with Israel when Israel served its purpose and have already turned its back uh, on God in its original purpose? And he's going to get them. The time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation period, uh, brings them where they need to be. But So that's neither here nor there. What do we need to focus on? We need to focus on the fact that God is super holy. God is super detailed. And he did all of that to prove to us that holiness means something to him. 
and that He has come to us. We are spiritually in debt. We are destitute. And when He saves us, He doesn't just save us. He doesn't just say, I'm putting a down payment and marking you. You're going to go and, and you're going to go. Hi, by the way. Good to see you. Uh, I didn't get to say how many came. But, but, but that's the point. He's not just coming in saying, and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to go to heaven. He's not Oprah handing out schools. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not what he's doing. And you go to school. And you, no, no, no. That's not the point. The point is, is he is saying, you're my child. Enter into my family. You're my child. Enter into my family. And my family has a certain way that we eat dinner. We have a certain way we have a relationship together. My word of God shows you how to live, how to act, how to move about the country in my family, if you will. And it's important for you to understand that. So when people go back to Israel, it's important in one sense, but not in a practical, logical sense. And so the Apostle Paul This is why I'm so obsessed with the Apostle Paul. 13 letters in the New Testament. He explains it from a Jewish perspective, how this works for us Gentiles. How this plays out in our lives. Him him being a Jew. Him saying, uh, I'm a Benjamite. Uh, As touching the law, I'm blameless. He wasn't a... You know, a, a dysfunctional uh, little Judaizer. He knew what he was doing, so that's important to understand that. And he did not impose those laws on the new Gentile believers, but he did impose a new lifestyle, a transformative lifestyle that produced, watch this, the same holiness from the lives of those that are a part of the church as it did in the Holy of Holies in the days of the Old Testament. And that's what's neat. That's what's amazing about the gospel. The gospel is super relevant for us in 2018 as it was BC, before Christ, when they were doing everything they could to be ritually pure. Make sense? Aren't, now, can we just get a brief intermission and say, thank the Lord I'm not living in the day where I had to be ritually pure. You know, y'all saw that priest in the video, right? I can have fruit roll-ups on my garment if I want, right? Because it doesn't matter. The point is, is I thank God that I'm on this side of the church dispensation. I thank God I'm in the church age. I wouldn't have made it back then. I really wouldn't have. I'd have been like hanging out in the Holy of Holies. I'd have been struck dead quick. I'm cur- I was curious, especially as a kid, man. I'd have been in there, what's in here? <laughs> you know? It wouldn't have worked out real well for me. But God knew, but God knew. So here's my why. This really won't take long to lay out now that we've done all the groundwork. I'm going to give you the why. The the declaration of how we should live in our holiness. Of how that should translate to us in 2018. And then I'm going to probably just go straight to the application. The what. Here's the why. Holy living. We believe that all the saved should live in a manner that does not bring reproach upon their Savior and Lord. And that separation from all religious apostasies. All worldly and sinful pleasures, see how those are tied together? Practices and associations is commanded of God. So holiness is designed and in connection with separation. Separation from religious apostasies, worldly and sinful pleasures, practices and associations, uh, and that's commanded by God. There's a few scriptures that really stand out, and I'm going to read them together as we address the application. So how many understand that statement? Pastor Matt's declaration is that we should be living holy. Understood? Got it? How many agree? 
It's okay to disagree. How many disagree? Say, I don't, I don't have to live holy. I don't have to live like that. It's okay. I'm not going to call you out. Just kidding, I will. Uh, okay, so we're all on the same page here. But how many say, uh, I could use some clarification on how that plays out practically in my life? Okay, a couple. So, so when you take the temple in the Old Testament and that dispensation, it was very clear. Hey, you don't touch dead things. If there's a carcass on the side of the road, you don't touch it, right? And, and you take a vow. Like, think about Samson and the story of Samson, right? He took a Nazarite vow, and he broke that vow. Why? Because he was eating honey from a dead carcass, right? He was very flippant with the rituals that, that were a part of his vow. And so the, the understood thing here is that I'm not taking away from that. Those rituals show how much God cares about it. So now it's up to us to noodle through God's word in the New Testament, and the New Covenant, and apply that to our lives so that we can be holy now. And I'm going to say this to you. You have more of an opportunity to be holy and to live holy and to be blessed in that holiness than ever before. Why? Because we have the what? Holy Spirit. They didn't have that. There was a transaction that was made for their sin once a year. There were different offerings that would appease God in that way. But for you, you can have that offering every morning inside your heart. You can have forgiveness of sins in a moment, in an instant, because the Holy Spirit is that burning fire of holiness that is literally within your heart if you're saved, if you've trusted God. If you have a down payment put on you and you are the temple, um, then you can work this work of holiness. But I think we just have to approach it from an interesting perspective. So, uh, let's look at Romans 12.2. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. How does this play out? How does holiness work its way into my life? You saw the picture of Jesus walking around, touching the leper, healing blinded eyes, right? Jesus came and touched. That's the picture of us uh, trusting us being saved. Why? Because Jesus came to us. He illuminated our eyes and gave us the Holy Spirit of God. So how does that play out? Romans 12 verses, I'll read one and two. I beseech you, I beg you, I implore you is what Paul is saying. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, now think about the mercies of God as it pertains to the Old Testament picture. Put that in your mind. God was a God of judgment. He was a God of justice. He judged sin. Now Paul is saying, listen, I beg you. Paul gets it. Paul is from the perspective of an Israelite. Paul understood the importance. And he's looking at us. He's writing to the Roman people. That Roman church. He's writing to the Gentile church. He's saying, I beg you. You guys need to see this. Hey, y'all, come over here. Let me show you something. You might not understand this because Israel gets this automatically because they're so inundated in their culture with how holy God is. You may not get this right away, but you need to. It's important. I beg you. I beseech you. That's what he's saying. By the mercies of God, you're, you're partaking into something, not because you deserve it, but because God was merciful to you. Watch it. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's the transaction. There's the difference. There's the 2018 version of what's going on here. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
The priests perform services in the temple. And now we have reasonable services. I guarantee you, if I could get a priest, hey, yo, can you send a Levite into 2018? You know, if, if we were in like Mr. Peabody and Sherman and I borrowed the way back, Dave, and I drove back and I loaded a priest up. Come here, I need somebody from the tribe of Levite. Jump in. <laughs> and we ride all the way in the way back to 2018. And I stood him right here in front of you. And he felt the weight every year of when he had to enter into the temple of the Holy Holies. He, under, he felt the weight of it. And I, and I said to him, hey, guess what, Levi? Because <laughs> that's all their names. Just kidding. Hey, Levi. I love your jeans, bro. First of all, thanks so much. So, Levi, all these people, all, <laughs> thanks. All these people, they're little temples. Levi, tell them how awesome it was to like go in the physical temple. And he would be like, well, first of all, I had to enter in pure. If I didn't go into the temple pure, then I was dead in the water, literally, without the water. <laughs> and I had to go through a strict process to actually be able to perform those duties in the temple. And I looked at Levi, and I'm like, bro, it's all right. You can chill out. Levi, I mean, I know like that's how it was back then. But guess what? Now, all you have to do is pray in your heart, and all of those duties are done for you. He'd be like, I don't have to wear pomegranates anymore. No, bro. You can wear stuff just like this. It doesn't even matter. Are you serious? Oh my goodness. Yeah. He would probably be beside himself. Are you kidding me? I just get down on my knees and there's a high priest named Jesus, my brother, making intercession, clearing the way, making it clear for me to enter into the holiest of holies now in my heart. And then I can just see maybe for the first time he had never never experienced salvation the way we experienced it at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit of God came. And then at that moment when Levi, because he's in 2018, he's in a different dispensation. He believes on Jesus as someone that is the Messiah and he sees it before when he was in the temple it was going to come it was a picture it was a sacrifice that would only suffice for a year but Hebrews Hebrews says that there's a sacrifice that will atone once for all and for all men and women every tribe every tongue and I can just see Levi going I'll take that believing it and the Holy Spirit of God and then he goes This is a feeling I have all the time, as long as you want it, as much as you want to experience it. You can have daily renewal in the Holy of Holies in your heart. You're the temple. And Paul, Paul's like, guys, 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 hey, 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 Levi, don't miss this. Tell them how serious God is. He's really serious. Okay, okay, now, now, guys, listen. You heard his perspective. I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And Levi goes, you're exactly right. It is reasonable. You don't understand all the rituals I went through. I didn't think they were reasonable. I didn't think they were even important sometimes. But when it came time, I got right because I didn't want to go up in there and not come out. You know what I'm saying? Trust me, this is reasonable. What I had to go through wasn't reasonable. And Paul's like, tell them, tell them, tell them. Tell them it's reasonable. It's reasonable. Do you see the difference between someone coming from way back, looking at us going, y'all got it easy. 
That's like a soldier. My grandfather that fought in Normandy dropped in. Understanding what he looks at me and, 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 and I get up every day and I go to work and I make money and I enjoy capitalism and I enjoy freedom. And he goes, you have it what? Easy. I paid the price. My granddaddy Robinson dropped in. My granddaddy Hendrix dropped in. Master parachutist. Trained hundreds of soldiers. You paid the price. You did. Going to Iraq. Do you understand this? They look at us and they say, you have it. It's your reasonable service to celebrate your freedom and to appreciate the flag and what it stands for. Do you get it? Like, is this clear as day? That's holiness. That's the same kind of idea. So here's what Romans 12, 2 is teaching us. Here's how we apply it. We experience holiness with a renewed mind. With a renewed mind. If I, if I say, how do we experience this today in 2018? I'm going to say this to you. First thing, you're going to only experience it through a renewed mind. If you're stuck in law, you're not going to experience it. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That I, I say this, I quote this verse a lot. That you may experience. That word know is gnosko in Greek. It means to experience. And, and Paul says, 12.2 in Romans, be not conformed, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. All those rituals were a process that had to continue. How do we apply ourselves to that process? Our minds. Renewed. It's done once for all. Why do people use grace as an excuse to sin? Because they're not being renewed in their mind. They have taken for granted a once-for-all sacrifice and missed the daily activities of that once-for-all sacrifice. I believe that firmly. I believe that if every Christian renewed their mind daily with what has taken place for them to pray, for them to go to God, John, it would be a revival in our country. Why? Because they're being renewed over and over and over. Our mindset is so key. And this is why I laugh with all this self-help stuff going on nowadays. I'm all for it. I'm all for you having confidence in yourself and self-confidence and self-worth. But I'm for you having that in Jesus. Putting the confidence where it belongs. Why? Because you can be renewed in that every day. So, so my point is, is I, I see Christians all the time that, number one, they experience salvation one time. That is when they trust. I trusted. It's done. It's over. My sin debt has been paid. And there's no renewal. No renewal. Let me, let me give you a verse here. I think, I don't know if I wrote it down. I may have. Romans 7. Oh, here it is. Romans 7, verse 22. I'll just read it to you for sake of time. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, Paul says. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. How many of you see that? I have a law in my mind that, that, that I'm trying to say over and over every day. I'm trying to renew my mind in Jesus, but there's another law. And bringing into captivity the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, this is Paul, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Here's where the battlefront is. Between your ears. That's the battlefront. 
How does holiness apply in 2018? It applies between your ears, your mind. You know, a funny thing in the Westminster Confession, mind, heart, soul, spirit, you can all boil them down to one Greek word. When the Bible talks about your soul, talks about your mind, talks about your heart, being saved, your spirit, there are certain contexts that it doesn't apply. But for the majority, when Paul says my mind, he's talking about your soul, your spirit, the thing that connects you with God. So here's what I would say to you. Where is the battle won in the battle of holiness? Why do we fail to live the way God wants us to live? We fail in our minds long before we ever fail in our hands. The body of flesh that we have will carry out a sin any day of the week that you let it to. If I want to get up and cheat on my wife, the body of sin, my flesh may fail. My God never will. I may be weak. Your spirit's strong in me. Ooh. Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holiness. My flesh may fail. My God, you never will. It's a battle of the mind. Ephesians. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, taking to you the helmet of salvation. Ooh, it's the battle of the mind. How do we incorporate holiness into our lives in 2018? By renewing your mind every day. God, here's my temple and I'm cleansing it right now. Through, Paul said, through Jesus Christ. I'm going to visit the cross every day. I'm going to visit the power of the resurrection every morning. The helmet of salvation. I know what I got. He put a deposit on me. The Holy Spirit of God is sealing me. I'm going to visit that in the morning. I guarantee you, you will live holy. You will live righteously. You'll be confronted with that sin, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Get thee behind me, Satan. It's all... It's a power. It's a battle in the mind. How many of you struggle? You don't have to raise your hands. How many of you struggle with your mind? You struggle with your thought life. Man, I think about killing. I think about immoral activity. I think about absolutely you do because you're a sinner. But absolutely he is a savior. Absolutely he will redeem your mind every day. But that's a daily activity. When we're glorified, when Jesus comes back and we get our new body, do you think it's going to be the fight that it is today? Absolutely not. But we're in a body of flesh and sin. Has anyone told you that the battle is in your mind? If they haven't, you need to wake up tomorrow and put the boxing gloves on. You need to wake up tomorrow and tell fear that it's a liar. You need to wake up tomorrow and tell doubt that you're not going to doubt anymore. You're going to wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? I got a God who's an overcomer. Yeah, of course you have fear. Of course you're going to feel like you can't make it. Of course you're going to feel like you're falling short. But just look at Satan in your mind and say, casting down every imagination. And every high thing, Corinthians says, that exalteth itself against God. Here's the second area. 1 John 2.15, I'll I'll just read it to you quickly. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, watch this, abideth forever. The Bible says that you're to love not the world. And if you do, the love of the Father is not in him. So I want to reverse engineer that and say to you, 
The first thing that you need to do is renew your mind. The second thing you need to do, experience a renewed mind, is experience true love. You see, if the love of the world is in you, let's translate that from point number one, is in your mind, then you're not experiencing the love of God. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you drive out every morning, you renew the inward man, and you drive out fear and doubt, you drive out your feelings of insecurities, you drive out your sin nature through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that you'll experience true love. Because if the love of the world is in your heart and in your mind, then you won't experience the love of the Father. So what I'm trying to tell you is that holiness is a chain reaction. If I choose in my mind that I'm going to live holy, then you're choosing to experience the love of God. Why will we, why will we have a good marriage? Why does my wife and I, absolutely we have a struggle. Last night we had a knockdown drag out fight. I have a black eye that, thank God I have Ray-Bans, it's hiding. But, but why are we going to continue in the fight? Because we know that we're not fighting against each other. We're fighting the fight of faith. The devil wants us to split up because in our marriage, we picture Christ in the church. If we can fight through our problems and remain together, lock solid, strong in the foundation that Christ has formed within us, then we are going to show a picture of Christ in the church. But watch this. When we fight that fight and we come out in our minds that we are together, watch this, we experience deeper love. For the couple that loses the fight on the, on the front end, maybe in your mind, fellas, maybe pornography, maybe this is just an easy illustration for you to understand. If you lose the fight in the beginning of the mind... And you two are, you just know that you're not together. You know that you're not connecting the way you did. Then you're not going to experience what? True love. The thing that's great about holiness is if you fight and win the battle in your mind, holiness leads to a deeper relationship, a deeper love of the Father. So why do we have flaky Christians? Psalm 1, who aren't planted by rivers of water, who aren't bringing forth fruit because they lost the battle. Before it, ever, before it ever began. Church, here's what I'm saying to you. It's worth it to fight the battle and win it in your mind because the love that you will experience on the back end. Number three and last, experience purpose in life. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this, for ye are bought with a price. Who, who's, who was the uh, down payment? Help me. Who was the down payment on your life? The holy what? The Holy Spirit sealing you. Paul's talking about that right here. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, watch this. Glorify God in your body and in your, what is it? Spirit, which are God's. If we can win the battle of the mind, we'll feel the love of God. If we feel the love of God and our bodies are God's, we're going to experience purpose. The Bible says that our bodies are not our own. There was a purchase transaction and you are under new management. Your temple, Romans 12.1, it's reasonable for you to live for God. What is living for God? That's holiness. When I act out my salvation on a daily basis, I'm acting out God's holiness. I'm acting out the transaction that bought and paid for me to go to heaven. How do you, you know, how do you expect to win others to Christ? Live holy. How do you expect for God 
to give you purpose in life. Live holy. Holiness breeds purpose. Why? Because you're fulfilling it. You know, it's, it's funny. It, I mean, it's not funny. That's such a, it's one of those statements. You know, it's funny. Not really. <laughs> it's funny, you should say. It's not funny at all, but there's a ton of Christians. This is so practical. This is uber. This is my pop culture, pop culture work. This is uber practical. It's funny to me how many Christians are so miserable. Once again, not funny. Funny, not funny. So many Christians are miserable, Carmen. Why? Because they have absolutely no purpose. None. But if you wake up in the morning, you battle it out in your mind. You feel the love of God, and you go to work with purpose. What's my purpose? I'm going to show that love out. I'm going to show this love out. Check. I'm going to walk it out. (laughs) Why? Because I just like K-pop. I'm sorry. Why? Why are you going to walk it out? Because you're feeling the love. Why do you feel the love? Because you fought the battle, and you won. I fought the law, and... Sorry, podcast. Church, isn't this kind of simple? It's kind of simple, isn't it? What will you choose to do tomorrow? Salvation was a choice, right? I choose you, Pikachu. It was an easy choice. You, you just, salvation came to you. It's like, this is it. We're in the money. I'm going to heaven. This is awesome. Oh, wait, I'm still in my body of flesh. Oh, wait, I still want to sin. Oh, wait, that desire's still there. What am I going to do with that? Well, I'll just give in to it (laughs) one more time. (laughs) What's one more? And, And here's the thing. That drives you one step further away from the love of God. That drives you one step away from purpose. It's just like fasting. This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. When you choose to starve yourself of one thing, you experience fulfillment in another. That's life. That's how we're made. We're created in God's image. What do you need to starve this morning so that you can win the battle in your mind? The Holy Spirit's done the work. I'm far beyond the superficial religious system that I used to be a part of where if you wear your suit and tie, if you go to church three times a week, I'm far beyond that. Then that's going to allow you to enter into a tighter covenant with God. That's not true. What's going to allow you to enter into a tighter covenant with God? Fight the battle in the morning and win it. The church is you, not this building. Holiness is lived out by you tomorrow. Does that make sense, church? How many of you feel like you need more of the love of God in your life? Come on, be honest. I need more. Show God. Show him. Here's my hand. I need more of your love. I love hand raising. <laughs> How many of you feel like, watch this. What's, what's the other one? Man, i got to go back to my notes. I hate that. Purpose. How many of you feel like you need more purpose in life? Come on. I struggle with purpose. Okay. Hey, I've got the formula. Are you ready? Paul told us. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and you're going to fight the battle where? In your mind. Romans says it's reasonable for you to do so. So I I think I'm going to make an app, the Pastor Matt app, every morning, and it's going to be with an alarm clock. 
And I'm like, wake up! <laughs> wake! I scared half of you. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> wake up! Podcast, they just jumped out of their seats. Wake up! Wake up! Hey, <laughs> how are you doing today? I think it would be a great app. I'd probably go to a million downloads just like that. Wake up! Hey, I got a verse for you. It's reasonable for you to get off your blessed insurance and to renew your mind in Jesus. What does that mean? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You know that bad thought you just had? You know the first one that was, I'm not going to get out of bed. I'm going to hit the snooze button. No, you're not. You're going to get out of bed right now. And we're going to go have that cup of coffee. And you know that Bible over there? Yeah, that Bible that's over on your coffee table. You're going to sit out in your recliner and you're going to get out that Bible and you're going to read it. Why? Because that's the only way. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hey, I read the word. Hey, I got some feeling. My app's going to take off. Are you kidding me? If I was there when you woke up in the morning and I'm like, let's do this thing. Woo! Let's go. We're going to live holy today. And we started off this thing right. We started it off right. We won the battle first thing. Then when you get to work and that sin creeps up where you were going to do something dishonest and you were going to take for your company and you're like, uh-uh. Why? Why? Because the love of God came into your heart. The very same love that came into the temple that if Levi from back in the day was here right now, he'd be like, the love of God is so pure. It'll cleanse anything. When it comes and it breathes and that fire comes down, it cleanses and purifies everything. And you're over here. All you got to do is win the battle in your mind. Win it. Why? Because you're going to feel the love of God in your heart. And that love is going to allow you to love your children in the way you've never loved them before. And it's going to allow you to love your wife the way you've never loved her before. And then it's going to give you purpose. He gives me purpose. That's what happens when Justin Bieber believes in the Lord. That's on his new album. Purpose. Why? Because he's going to Hillsong conferences. Are you kidding me? What is going on in the world? You have to win the battle in your mind. I give you a little thing. Trust me, I don't wake up in the morning and go, Sarah! Woo! A new day! I am the exact opposite. But I do know this, that by the time I'm awake, and I'm usually in the truck by then, thank God I'm awake, headed to work, I'm battling. I'm ready to go. I got my spiritual boxing gloves on, and I'm telling Satan where to go. Why? Because I want God's love. And I know that I don't get that love. I want God's purpose, and I know that I don't get that purpose if I don't win that battle.